Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Okay, welcome to back to our Bible study. This is our ninth topic of how many topics there are. I'm not quite sure, but this is topic number nine. Today, um, we're going to look at three words, uh, justification, grace, and faith. We're going to look at those three words, unpack them a little bit. Um, before we do that, let's open with a word of prayer. Lord God, you have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Turn with me in your Bible. Two verses. Romans first, Romans chapter three. You, you keep your, if you have your Bible, keep it, keep a finger or keep a bookmark if you're using it on the computer or just get, keep Romans handy because we're going to go back to Romans a couple times. Uh, um, but we're going to look at chapter three, just one little verse here, and then I'm going to jump over to Ephesians, and we're going to come back to Romans a little bit later. Um, we're going to start at verse 23. Al Nordoff. Hi, Al. Uh, but now, the righteousness of, or sorry, that's 21, 23. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. All right. And then with those words in mind, especially the ones I stressed, jump over to Ephesians. I... I know you could probably quote this off the top of your head, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. <clears throat> so notice those. Um, it wasn't in... They weren't in... Um, the word justification was not in Ephesians, but the words grace and faith were, um, and they were in Romans too. So you should be able to see how those two, um, two sections are connected there. So the text says that we are justified by grace through faith. So we're going to take some time and we're going to unpack that justification, faith, and grace. Um, we're going to unpack what that means, and um, hopefully um, this will be helpful for you as you see these words um, in the Bible, hear these words in sermons, in stuff you read, hear, that kind of thing. First, um, Something to note about language. Um, um, the word, the, the, the word for justi justification, you might not know this, but um, in English, we have two sets of words, just, justice, justification, and right, righteous, and we don't have a word righteousification to to declare righteous to make righteous all right uh we have two sets of word of words they mean exactly the same thing justice is righteousness um to be just is to be righteous that is to, to be just is to be right 
Um, the just justice justification language comes from Latin through French. And the right righteous righteousification, it's not a word, it comes from German. Uh, so English has the problem where we have two different, we have French, we have Latin through French, and we've got German. And so you have words that mean the same thing, but come from different. Um, so you have folk and people, right? They both, uh, they mean the same thing, essentially, but one is a German root and one's a French root. This is just happens in English. But when you see the word justification or righteousness or justice or just, those words in your English Bible are all the same word in, in Greek. Um, Dike, dikaiosis, um, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, in the Middle Ages, the well, first, when you hear the word justification <clears throat> or to to justify, what do you think? What what is it? What what do you think it means? What 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 does it conjure to you, for you? It make something right. right. To make something right. That's a good definition. I like that definition. To make something right. Um, to make a reason. Reasons. To make a to, to make a reason why something right. is right. Or yep, to make a reason why something is right. Um, if you say, "Oh, that action was not justified," um, what are you saying? You can't give a good reason. You can't give a good reason or that that action was not in the right. Mm -hmm. You might put it that way, right? Um, great. Mm -hmm. um, so we have the word and you got it. We, we understand that it means to, to something like to make right or something or to be right or it has to do with rightness. Um, in the Middle Ages, um, which is from... Oh, ballpark guess here. The fall of the Roman Empire, which is what, like five, late 400s, early 500s, up until what, 1400? That's, that's about the Middle Ages. That's what, that's what we call it. Um, so from the fall of Rome to the Renaissance, that, that, that time period in there. During that time period, because of the influence of Augustine of Hippo, who we like, but because of his influence, um, the dom and because of the Latin language, the dominant definition of this word justification to justify was to make someone righteous, to make them righteous. Okay. Um, that's, we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later. Um, so when we talk about justification and we talk, you know, we all know that justification is, um, is what the reformation is all about. Right. This is this is um, this is what makes us Lutheran justification. Um, we we what is the what's the what's the catchphrase the slogan that we believe about justification as Lutherans? Justification by faith alone. By faith alone. Bingo. Nailed it. Justification by faith alone. You guys know that phrase. Um, so what that means is. Uh, practically, we're going to get into the technical stuff, but the practical thing is, means your sins are forgiven, you're reconciled to God, you're accepted by God. Um, that's what justification means. It means how am I uh, accepted by God? How am I uh, reconciled to him? How am I, how do I receive the forgiveness of my sins? That's what you're asking when you're talking about justification. So this goes right to the heart of, of what the entire Christian faith, right? This is the, this is the, um, what is it, the old, the old, was it $42,000 question or whatever that old $64,000. $64,000. <laughs> that just shows you how old I am. I know it. <laughs> you know it. That's right. Um, so um, this is the question. This is, this is where the marbles are, right? Um, if you want to ask, why are we not, you know, the Lutheran Church started as a protest against abuses taught in the Roman Catholic Church, right? That's, that's how we started. Why are we not, 
it's been 500 years, five, over 500 years. Well, is the Reformation over? Are we going to go pack up and go back to Rome? What's the thing that still makes us, where's the dividing line? And it's here. It's justification. What makes us not Eastern Orthodox or, or um, other potential denominations? This is it. This is where the marbles are. Um, if you ask why, uh, if anybody ever asks you, why are you Lutheran? This should be your answer. I'm a Lutheran because Lutherans get this right. Justification by grace through faith. We get it right and we get it right all the time. We get other things, maybe we don't get everything right, but we get this right. And that's, that's super important. Um, at least that's why I'm. <laughs> um, so we're dealing with how are our sins forgiven? How are we reconciled to God? How do we have a right relationship with God? Um, and so justification is the declaration of God that, that you, no matter how sinful you may be, if you trust in Jesus' work for you on the cross, you are accounted righteous. All right? It's God's declaration, no matter how sinful you are, if you trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross, you are accounted as righteous. Um, so justification is the reversal of God's um judgment on us uh what's god's judgment on us death all the sins die that's right exactly that's the penalty of the law uh sin death uh, right so um and we experience the wrath of god right uh, his anger instead we've been restored to his favor <clears throat> right um now, justification, here's the key idea. Justification is a forensic term. What do we mean by forensic? What's the word forensic mean? I know you've heard it. In depth. In depth? Ah, see, um, I know, I, I shouldn't play with the shark. Um, <laughs> I, now, why would you say in depth? I'm thinking of a forensic audit. <laughs> yes, a forensic audit. Okay, yep. That's um but you might think of a forensic um a forensic uh a team of forensic specialists who come to a crime scene and, and right? Uh that that's how maybe you hear the term most on TV. Forensic means relating to the law. Oh. Right? It has to do with the law. That's why it's a, if, a, if you have a team of forensic analysis, they're, they're legal analysis, they're, they're, they're looking at evidence for the sake of the law, right? For, um, but the word forensic means the law. So justification is a, an image that, that, that uses a, for, it's a forensic term. It's a law court metaphor. Um, now, um, when it's a, we say it's a, it's a, yeah, so it's a law court metaphor. It also has hints of the last judgment. Like when we talk about the last judgment, what are we referring to? And Jesus comes again. Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody stands before God as judge and he, and he puts his gavel down and pronounces the sentence, right? Um, uh, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master, right? Uh, depart from me, you, you know, uh, depart from me, right? So, you know, we, we get that in Matthew chapter 25. Um, so, um, so we, we see those two things. It's a law metaphor, and we're gonna, which we're going to jump into, and it's, it talks about the last judgment, right? You guys following me? Okay. Justification does not do, it, it is not an act by which you are changed. Justification does not change you. Um, it, 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 um, and it's not based on the fact, on, on your own righteousness, right? It's not, it doesn't transform you and it's not, um, it doesn't change you. That's something else. What's the thing, what, what, what's the term that we use for 
the change that happens in us. Sanctification. Sanctification. Bingo, right? Um, so that sanctification is a different thing. Uh, but justification doesn't deal with that. Um, and that's an important distinction to make uh, because not everybody agrees with it. <laughs> um, so when we talk about um, sanctification, we're saying that the, the Holy Spirit doesn't just forgive us. He also makes us new. He gives us faith. Um, those things accompany, they come with, they join with our justification our reconciliation to god our new right relationship but those are not the cause or the reason why your sins are forgiven you're not your sins are not forgiven because god cleaned you up right you following me it's not because god's working in your life that you're forgiven you're forgiven already and along with that at the same time god is also working in your life cleaning you up right there are two parallel tracks um, so that's, that's important to note. Okay. So let's go back to the, the law court metaphor. This will help you understand what justification is. Um, when we say justification, when we talk about the law, don't think of a criminal prosecution. Think of judge Judy. Um, think of a civil case where you have a defendant and a, oh, what's the other one? Plaintiff. Plaintiff, thank you. Plaintiff, right? Um, and the verdict comes down, um, and the verdict says one person is in the right, and the other person is in the wrong, right? And to be, and, and so when the judge declares so-and-so is in the right, um, if that was the defendant, we call that acquittal, right? They're acquitted. If it's, um, if, if, it, if the plaintiff is, uh, if the verdict <coughs> is in favor of the plaintiff, you call that vindication, right? They were vindicated. They had a charge and they were vindicated. Um, so this comes, the language of justification comes out of the Hebrew Old Testament civil law court. Um, civil court. So it comes out of that, and that's the image that is being used. Um, there's an accuser, there's a plaintiff, and there's a defendant. Um, and um, and so God, the the judge hears the case, and he decides in favor of one, and um, whoever he decides in favor of, of for, he justifies. He um, so. Um, and so that's what we mean by justification. So, all right, that's the image. So then um, where are we? Are we the defendant or are we the plaintiff? We've got to be the defendant. We're the defendant. What's the charges? Uh, being poor, miserable sinners. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, um, and justification says that the gavel comes down and says verdict in favor of the defendant. Right? That's, that's justification. And, and meanwhile, you're guilty. That's, so you're, you're guilty, but verdict has come down in favor of the defendant. Anyway, that's justification. Um, and we'll look at the cause in a second. Um, so the person... Um, yeah, so, so, um, so if, if the verdict comes down in favor of the defendant, that means that you're acquitted or, or that you're acquitted from guilt um, and you're not liable to any punitive punishments, right? Uh, the court's not going to fine you if the verdict is in your favor. Um, we, we get that. Okay. Um, and so that person... Um, who the verdict comes down in favor of is called righteous or just. And they have justice or righteousness, right? Um, so obviously, 
in Greek culture and in our culture, righteousness denotes integrity, kind of, right? That's how we kind of use it. Um, but don't forget that that word also means justice. You, it's someone who is righteous it should be someone who is just. In the Bible, it, righteousness means doing the right and faithful thing by the, uh, by the ones in whom you're, you have a committed relationship. So you have a relationship with somebody, and if you do the right thing by them, that's considered in the Old Testament righteousness, right? Think of covenants. You have an agreement with this guy, and if you, do, if you, if you keep your contract, if you keep your, your, your commitment to that person, you're considered righteous. So when we say that God is righteous, what we mean is that God, God keeps his side of the contract, right? God does his bit. Um, he, he's faithful to his covenant and to his promises. He, he does the right thing by us, you could say, right? Um, when we say the Israelites were, were righteous, that means they were living up to the covenant, right? They were living up to their obligations. They were doing the right thing by God, you could say. All right, so that's, that's righteousness. Um, so when that verdict comes down in, in favor of the defendant, does that mean that the defendant in every, absolutely every single case um, was morally correct? No, you hope so, right? That's the idea. The idea is that you hope that the court is going to decide in the, per, in, in the favor of the person who deserves it. Um, the, the verdict will match the character, so to speak. Uh, that's not the case here. Um, um, Romans chapter four. Um, yeah, verse five. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the what? Godly. The ungodly. Right? God justifies not the godly, not the good people, but the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness. That's, um, that's, Im that's important to, to see. Um, um, in fact, let's go back up to verse two there, because th that has a good point to me, right? So, um, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something, remember, works have to do with um, obeying God's law. We talked about that several weeks ago. Um, but if Abraham was justified by works, he would something, have something to boast about, but not before God. Um, so that, so that, that's important. What, uh, uh, for what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not, are not counted as a gift, but as his due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Um, um, so, so you see there, God justifies it's the verdict in favor of the of the guilty defendant um yeah uh and chapter just the the next chapter over chapter five verse 18 um uh, uh therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Um, so that, that's important uh, too. Um, so you see um, that God, it, the, Paul clearly says, God justifies the ungodly. Um, how? How can God do that? counts Christ's righteousness as ours. Bingo. Exactly. 
we call this imputed righteousness. Have you heard that word imputed before? Imputation. Um, that's a bookkeeping term. Uh, it, it means crediting something to someone else's account. Uh, you know, we use the word credit, right? If you have a credit on your account, what on your bank account, what happens? There's money in the bank. If you have a debit, it goes out, right? Cr uh, crediting to, your, to their account. Um, so we have two types of imputation, two types of, we have, um, when we talk about Christ's righteousness being imputed, what we're saying is um, there is, there has been a discharge of our debt, right? There's been, a, our, our debt has been discharged and there's been a payment which has been credited instead, right? Um, our sins are not imputed to us, right? They're not charged to our account. And instead, Christ's righteousness, his perfect life, how he kept the law completely, uh, his perfect life and his death on our behalf, that is credited to us instead. Um, so sin is not charged um, against believing sinners, and Christ's righteousness is credited to the believing sinner. Um, so that means that we, um, you are treated as actually righteous in relation to God, even though you're not. That's how you're treated. Um, since you can't achieve your own righteousness, God has provided it, right? Um, uh, and that's why um, your good works, um, your worthiness, your ethical deeds, whatever, um, that is not um, the basis for your standing before God. The only thing, uh, the, um, the only reason why you can stand before God is because of Jesus Christ, his perfect life, and his death on the cross for you, where he made atonement for you. So what we say is our sins have been charged to Christ. Christ has discharged the debt on the cross. Um, and Christ's obedience, his merit, has been is then offered to our account. Um, now, some people might say, ask, well, how can how can God still be holy if sin is is dealt with so easily? If it's just a matter of well, we'll just debit it over here, credit it over there, all done, right? They 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 call this oh, it's just God's. It's a legal fiction. Oh, God's just playing the books. Um, that, that's, the, that's the accusation. But it, it's not playing the books because it, it, it's not just a matter of God's, you know, ticking a few boxes and, you know, debiting this side and crediting that side. It, it involves the cross. <laughs> it involves Jesus coming down and actually living a perfect life and, and then dying a bloody, horrible death on your behalf. <laughs> Um, that's not a, um, yeah. So, um, the burden for your sin, uh, the weight that you have to pay, uh, is, tr is, is on Christ's shoulders as he's on the cross. That's why I've ever seen, ever wondered with the, not this crucifix, but the one I wear at church, if you ever notice it, if you haven't noticed it before, next time, no, look at it. The, the, the cross beam is bent. And the cross beam in that cross is bent because the idea is the wood of the cross can't even bear the sin of the world, but Jesus can. <laughs> I, I think it's a great imagery. Um, okay. Um, yeah, now, one thing we want to note here is it would be, a, we use this language of crediting and debiting. Do not think that you actually get something, right? Um, it is not as if you are actually imparted or given or infused with some quality that Jesus has, right? Um, justice, righteousness are not qualities that you can transfer to people. Um, it doesn't work that way. Um, 
what we're talking about is how God is regarding us. The reason why we need to say that is because the, the medieval teaching before the Reformation was that grace and righteousness could be injected into you. It was so God had grace and he zaps you and he gives you, um, uh, he gives you that. Um, um, and um, it transforms you. So um, that, like we said, is sanctification. Uh, that's more where that belongs. But here, when we talk about crediting Christ's righteousness, we're dealing with how God views you. We're dealing how God treats you and acts to you. Um, not what actually does something that happens in you. We have to keep that line in the sand because that's what separates us from Rome. That's what the Reformation was about. Any questions about that? I, Al, you raised your hand. What would you like to say? All right. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Good. Okay. Um, so that's justification. Um, any questions about that? So after Judgment Day and the end of the world, and then we're in heaven, mm -hmm. we are changed, right? At that point. Yes. Yes. Good point. So. Um, that's so justification is I, I should have added this justification is the final the last the judgment day verdict not guilty has actually been don't know what the right word is uh, transported teleported uh, across space and time through God's word to you uh, at your baptism and every time you hear the word of forgiveness. Um, the final, so you know what the final judgment day verdict is going to be. That's what justification is. And justification is a promise. It's, it's based on a promise. We'll deal with that in terms of next. Um, but um, so, yeah, so it's the judgment day verdict coming to you now. Um, and then on top of that, in sanctification, God begins to conform you to his image, to the image of his son. And so that at the last day, when you stand before God, you will actually be righteous and you will be accounted righteous at the same time. God's verdict will match the reality. It doesn't now, but it will by the time you get to the last day. Um, um, yeah. So simply put, I, I'm getting, you know, from all the years of, of being a Lutheran, <clears throat> that because Christ took on all our sins, that when God sees us, he sees Jesus. Right. That's right. And that's, simply. and that's, yeah, that's a simply put. Um, what, um, <laughs> you would say, um, when God sees you, uh, another way to put it is um, when God sees you, he sees what Jesus did for you. Mm -hmm. And he um, says, verdict in the favor of Susan. Verdict in the favor. Not guilty. Not guilty. Right. Right. Because, right? So um, that's maybe an extra step that, that would get across what justification means. Not guilty. Now let's take right. you. Um, now let's take you to the hospital and get you cleaned up. Right. That that's kind of what the Christian life. That's when the Christian life life takes in takes over. But um, once you say once you say I'm not guilty because of what Christ did, that takes away all of that guilt. Takes away all of that. Well, what can I do? I have to do something. That takes away all that stuff. Absolutely. Um, and, and we're going to come around to the, when we deal with faith, um, I, we're, we'll come back, we're going to come back to that because that, that's super important that you mentioned that. So what do we mean by faith? When we talk about faith, what do we mean? Trust. Trust. 
yeah, something, <laughs> man, guys, something that you haven't seen. Man, you guys nailed it in the first attempt. That's great. Trust. I have to give props to good teachers over the years because you guys nailed it. Uh, all right. Let's back up and pretend you don't know the correct answer straight out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> um, how is it often understood in the world? What's the Disney version of faith? Because you'll sometimes hear it. Attitude about everything. A positive attitude. Yep. Uh, yeah. Sometimes uh, when you talk to, about football or or your your oh I I I have faith that my team will win. It's just kind of like a a confidence a that a hope yeah. that has no assurance. Um, the Disney kind of faith is kind of like oh you got to just believe in yourself, right? That kind of thing. Any other. Uh, have you heard of faith used in any other ways? Some people might use faith as, um, as, as their set of beliefs, right? The faith. I have my faith, right? Um, this is what, this is the faith that we confess, right? It could mean that. Um, um, okay. So let's, um, if Paul says that we're not justified by works, but we're justified through faith, what does that mean? We can't buy our justification. We can't buy it. That's right. Um, what would it mean to be justified by works then? You would never know if you've done enough to earn your way into heaven. Right, because what's what's the basis then of the of the verdict? How Guilty. much work you've done? How much work you've done? Your good deeds, your own virtues, and that kind of thing. Right. All right. That would also negate the need for the gospel. <laughs> it would. Right. You just need a big trumpet from, from heaven. Be better. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so, um, as we read at the beginning, what does Paul say in Romans 3 is the reception, the thing that receives justification? By faith. By grace. By faith. Yeah. Grace will come to you next, but by faith, yes. So faith is the condition. It is, faith is the empty hand that receives what God's giving. Um, uh, so to, to be justified by faith means that we obtain forgiveness, we're counted and regarded as righteous, accepted by God, not because of our virtues, but because of Jesus. Um, they're given to us. Forgiveness is given to us because of what Jesus did, not because of what we do. Um, faith does not refer to historical knowledge only. What do we mean by historical knowledge? Something that can be proved. Right. So, um, uh, what's the difference between saying, I believe, uh, I believe that Julius Caesar was assassinated on... March 15th, 44 BC, and I believe in Jesus. You can pull up proof to show that uh, Caesar was murdered. Can't right. always pull up proof to show that Jesus delivers us. Right, but um, faith is also not, a, a, um, it's not like this leap of faith, faith um, as if faith, um, if you could prove it, then it's not faith. That, that's, that's also not, not quite it either. Um, that that um, famous atheist Richard Dawkins uh, made, makes that mistake. He thinks faith is something you believe in when there is no evidence. That's that's not faith. Um, but um, go to James, chapter two. Uh, where is James? Don't forget to keep your your finger there in Romans because we probably go back there. I think it's nineteen. Uh, yeah, 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 there it is. 
You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. What kind the demons believe? What kind of belief do they have? First hand knowledge. First hand knowledge. See, what we there's when we talk about faith, we talk about three things. Sometimes faith is used to refer to the knowledge of the historical events, knowing that um, something happened, right? Um, I believe that X happened, right? Um, I believe that the United States defeated the British and, you know, whatever. Any, you can list the historical detail, and, right? Um, so in, in the case of Jesus, that would say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus, I believe Jesus of Nazareth died on the cross and rose from the dead. Right? You could leave that as a matter of a historical fact. That's not yet faith. That's the point we're trying to get across here, right? Just believing that it happened in history does not make it faith, right? Um, um, you can even agree that it's true, and that's still not quite faith, right? Do, do the demons believe that Jesus died and rose again historically? Absolutely they do. Yeah. They know it. Do they think that it's true? Sure they do. Yeah. That's still not quite faith, right? And so when you see that, now James doesn't, you, don't, you shouldn't have a problem when James says faith without works is dead. What kind of faith is he talking about? Is he talking about the same type of faith that Paul is? No, he's not no. talking about the exact same type of faith. He's defining his terms slightly differently than Paul is. And once you realize that, there's no problem with that faith without works is dead. And this kind of thing. Um, okay. Faith doesn't question. Faith doesn't question. Right. It, there's so, no doubts. So that's where the, the, the faith that we have is different. So as you guys said, faith is trust. And trust needs something to cling to, something to hold on to, something to grab, um, something to rely on um faith implies or trust implies relying upon and trusting in someone else who you view as trustworthy right if you trust in someone you believe you're going to rely on them for something because they are there's some they're they're trustworthy um so, so to trust a person is more risky than just simply um, trusting in empirical evidence, right? Because you're trusting in that this person uh, can do something for you. Um, um, when we say that somebody believes in a fact, uh, we, sorry, we say that that's, oh, I believe in a fact, and we mean that I'm assured of its truth. Oh, I believe that the earth is round. That means I'm assured of the truth that the earth is round right? Uh, but when we say we believe in another person, we're, we're saying that there's some, that we are sufficiently uh, uh, assured that this person is trustworthy. It, and that means that we're going to rely on them. You see, starting to see the difference between uh, the two types of faith there. So faith is- involves a relationship. It does. It does. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of dynamic where a historical fact, it's an event in past time, but it's not happening now where God, there is no beginning. There's no end. God throughout time exists. He's dynamic now. Right. And so for, here's your nice succinct definition of what Christian faith is. Faith is trust in the mercy promised for Christ's sake. Faith is trust in the mercy promised for Christ's sake. So does faith require some historical knowledge? Yes. What historical knowledge is the, required? The cross, the, right. And exactly. it rose again from the dead. Right. Bingo. Right. So you so the, that's you need to have that that knowledge of the gospel. 
Um, but it's also trust in God's mercy that because of that, it's not just that that act happened. It's because of that act, God is promising me something, right? And, and so the, and faith clings to that promise. There's a promise that God makes to you. Um, and faith has to cling to that. And so um, we talk, we, those are the three type things we talk about, knowledge, assent, and trust. Um, um, Melanchthon gives this very longer definition. He says, faith is agreeing, assenting to the entire word of God as it's given to us, but particularly to the free promise of reconciliation given for the sake of Jesus, the mediator, and trust in the mercy of God promised for Jesus' sake. Um, that's a good little definition. And so when we talk about trust, we're, we're talking about an action of our will, right? We are, we're making a choice which responds in agreement um, or, or with an action. And, it, and so you're saying that you're... you're um, your will, your, your choosing to uh, re rely upon Christ. Um, and we're able to do that through the Holy Spirit. Right. Yes. Um, that, that's, um, <laughs> see, there's, there's two things that happen at the same time. We talk about justification and sanctification. Sanctification starts with the, with giving you new life, Right. Um, you, you, the Holy, you have the Holy Spirit, um, and um, the Holy Spirit uh, creates in you faith, love, trust in God, these kinds of things. So, um, God, the, 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 the God through the Word, the Holy Spirit through the Word, always works through the Word. He, he works through the Word to give you faith. And then that faith clings to the very word which it heard, which is the promise of mercy uh, for the sake of Jesus. Um, all right. To see this, Romans chapter 4. I'm good for time. We're doing okay. Um, Romans chapter 4, 16 and onward. Um, 16 through, where is my note? 16 to 25. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us, of us all, as it is written. I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed he gives who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told so shall your offspring be he did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old uh, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No belief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith it was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but, also, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from, from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who, has de who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So notice what Paul does here. Did you catch it? He uses the example of Abraham to prove what faith is, right? He says, Abraham got, Abra God promised, made a promise to Abraham that he would have a, a, a son. And Abraham believed, he trusted in the promise, even though his own body was as good as dead. But he trusted in the promise that God, would, that God was fully able to do what he said he would. 
And so Paul says from that, that's what faith is. God has promised you mercy for the sake of Jesus Christ. And faith says God's able to do that. Even though I'm a poor and nasty sinner, this God guy is able to do all things. He says, I'm, I'm forgiven. And, and, and I'm going to trust that he's able to do it. Any questions about faith? So faith is laying hold of the promise of mercy and applying it to yourself. Um, that is important, especially in times of doubt. So when your conscience, when, when, when it's, um, when you feel like, well, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know uh, if, if, I don't know, I've just sinned too much or anything like that. Um, it, we've seen that it's not based on how good or how bad you are. It's based on how good and how, how good Jesus was. And because of that, there is a, a, a unconditional unilateral promise given to you that God is for you and he's offering you forgiveness. Um, that's, um, it, this is given to, to, for troubled consciences. That's, that's why, uh, that's, that's the, what this is born out of, uh, sort of. Okay. Uh, quickly moving on to the word grace. Um, what's grace? What, let's take a step back because I know you guys are going to give me the right answer. So well, <laughs> when we say something is graceful, what do we mean? As in, oh, that was a graceful dance or she was so graceful. Moves well. Moves well, right? Um, um, or if... Unexpectedly oh, pleasant. Unexpectedly pleasant. Um, or when um, someone... Oh, that was a very graceful performance of that piece of music. Um, oftentimes grace is used as in terms of like charming, attractive, pleasing in appearance or effect, that kind of thing. Um, often it's, it's, you can think of it in terms of gift, right? That person is gifted. They had a gift there. Um, that's not quite, um, how the Bible uses it, though it does use it sometimes like that. Um, Back to Romans chapter 5, 15. Paul makes a distinction when I want to highlight this and give you guys a quick little history lesson, um, which will help you understand what grace is. Um, and if my history doesn't, lesson doesn't work, pop culture will. <laughs> um, uh, Paul makes a distinction here, Romans 5, 15. But the free gift is not like to trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the, the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. So Paul talks about two things. He talks about the grace of God and the gift by the grace. Um, how many here have seen the Godfather? Yep. 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 Everybody? Great. Gross. Um, I, I have not seen it, but... <laughs> My wife tells me that this is the best example of what I'm trying to go with. All right. So remember the Godfather movie as I'm talking to you about this. And, and, and if, 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 you, if, if the connection starts to, if you start to see the connection to what I'm getting at, nod your head and I'll know that I'm, that, that works. <laughs> um, the Roman empire and, and all these ancient societies, uh, but especially Rome, was supported by this infrastructure uh, of, of personal networks based on favor and loyalty. Um, it, it's kind of like this godfather style relationship, but without the crime. Um, so most of the money and, and, uh, and the land uh, was in the possession of a, of a small group of elite people, right? Um, and most of the rest of the people were, could not be self-sufficient and they had very little access to social services. So instead the people used personal connections to a patron or a benefactor, a social superior uh, who would be able to give them what they needed, what they required. So uh, patrons or benefactors could give access to goods or entertainment, employment, services, um, 
protection, land, legal advice, advancement, that kind of thing, right? The godfather can do things for you, uh, right, kind of thing. Um, and the person who receives such a benefit became the client of the patron. They, and they had the obligation to spread the fame of the giver, to declare his gratitude, and, and this kind of thing. Um, and he, he was um, socially obligated to be loyal to the patron who gave him gifts. Okay. Do you kind of get the idea, right? Um, like, uh, right. <laughs> we view this in our society, when we see this in politics, we view this as a negative thing, don't we? When, um, oh, uh, if you do put this in this bill, we'll do this thing for you, right? Um, uh, but think of it as a, uh, but that is where the term grace comes from. Um, grace is, refers to the favorable disposition of the giver, the patron. It's, 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 it is his beneficent um, good favor, the thing that motivates him to give the gifts, the things that the people need, right? Um, and it, it wasn't supposed to be this self-serving thing. Well, if I, get, if I give you this gift, you're going to increase my social stature by you know, doing this for me. Um, it wasn't supposed to be that way. Aristotle said that grace is the feeling uh, in accordance with which one who has it is said to render service to one who needs it, not in return for something, nor in the interest of him who renders it, but in the, the in interest of the recipient. So it's it's for the person's good, not not for my good. Um, we were taught in Sunday school more than a few decades ago uh, <laughs> that grace from God would be considered undeserved love so we've yeah. done nothing to earn it we can't say that we deserve it it's just freely given right and, 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 and nothing really expected in return for it that's that's right just like um if you give some if you give a homeless person a, a five dollar five dollar bill right you don't expect anything in return right Yep. You're giving it to them freely. That, that's right. Um, that's the that's 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 the social context and where this word comes from. And to um, to place faith in a patron is was to trust that the patron was able and willing to provide what he promised. Uh, it means to entrust you. It meant to entrust your cause and your future to that patron, to give yourself over to him. Think about you know the old medieval society where you had a lord and you owned the land, right? Uh, you trust that your the guy who owns your land is able to protect you if barbarians come, right? Uh, you you farm his land, and in return, you give him a, a portion of that. And if barbarians come, he is ex he's expected to raise the army and come to your defense, right? Um, or call you to arms. Or call you to arms. Um, so that's the, the background for that word grace. Um, grace is the mercy promised to us for Christ's sake. Um, it is that benevolence, that um, the, 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 the quality in God that's moving him to be favorable to you. Um, um, we, we're saying that God... There's God doesn't deal with us on the basis of our works or on our merits or on our, or on our deservings, but he deals with us out of his love and love and compassion. Uh, it's that um, he receives, uh, it's, it's this disposition that he has for us, this love for us, um, <laughs> apart from um, our works. Um, and, and so that it's, so it's for like the sake of father. Like, pardon? Like you know how we would do something like that for our children, we're parents. So he's our father and he's acting out of love. 
not because we're good kids or anything like that, but you know, he's merciful and, and kind. That's, and, and that's right. Parental. And, and he can be that way to you because of what Jesus did, because right. of the atonement. Yeah. Um, and, and so when Paul says the gift through the through grace, um, <laughs> so grace was the was the the favor the disposition of the giver but grace is also the gift the gift itself was called grace and then you, your gratitude is also called grace so the word grace is used in three different spots um three different ways in rome in roman culture um so um the holy sometimes when we talk about grace we're referring to the gift of the holy spirit and, and all that what works in your life. That's how Rome means it almost all the time. Um, but when we say grace, we mean the favor of God, the, the, the beneficence of God towards us because of Jesus. Um, and we add, uh, this is the last part here. We add what we call an exclusive particle, 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 goodness, particle. Um, it, it's in Romans three. Uh, we there it is, 24. And all are justified by his grace as a gift. Latin word gratis, gratis, right? Gratuitously, as a gift, freely, um, it says, freely. Um, God does this freely. What does freely imply? As a gift. Nothing in return. Nothing in return. That's, that's important. That excludes a whole ton of things, namely everything, <laughs> right? Um, um, God has freely given you a gift, uh, and that gift is uh, his mercy towards you in Jesus. And that's free, and, and, it's, and it's for you, and it's for all. Um, so when you're in terror and you don't know whether God loves you or if God's merciful towards you or you wonder if he could forgive you because you're so unworthy freely tells you that our worthiness and our unworthiness they don't come into the picture um what only the only thing that comes into the picture is is um what what god god's love towards us because of what christ has done okay that is grace, faith, and justification. As near as I can do it in an hour. When we minutes. say in the, in the creeds that I believe, is that the same as saying I have faith? It can be, yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit of both. Um, it's a little bit of these are the historical facts, especially in, but it is also I, I um, it, is the, it, it, it is also the, you're confessing that I'm trusting in this God. Who does it right? Especially, think of Luther's um, Luther's uh, explanation um, to the second article, right? Um, all of this he did to me because of his divine fatherly fatherly goodness, without any merit or worthiness, and, and you know he bought me with the precious blood of Christ, without gold or silver, with any such thing, right? That kind of thing. Um, but you're also saying, no, no, this, this is what I believe. I believe this historically happened. That's why the under Pontius Pilate is thrown in there to, to root it in history. Um, yeah. So as I believe more of a, a mental uh, thing we have it's, rather than faith in our heart, believing in Jesus. In the, in the creed, in the creed, I think it's a little of both. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a little of both. Um, but it, it, there, the, with, I think in the creed, the emphasis is on, this is what we believe. It's placed yeah. before the sermon at, to give you an almost like a... Um, a base like a, to build base, on. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're supposed to judge me based on the creed you just confessed. <laughs> right? That's, right? I'm held to that stand. This is what we, you know, if you start saying Jesus is an angel, you know, we're going to get out the pitchforks kind of thing. <laughs> That's what the creed, the creed's there for. Yeah, I, I just looked up the definition of credo, uh, and it's more of a profession or a confession of faith. Yeah. We already yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. But Luther, remember, Luther says, um, uh, 
was crucified also for us, or for under Pontius Pilate, right? Um, and what does Luther say about the for us? For us requires all hearts to believe, to, mm-hmm. to, to, to grab onto that, yeah. Um, any other questions? No, okay. Um, well then let's um, uh, conclude with prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are loving towards us. You are kind and merciful towards us, beneficent towards us um, because of what your son has done for us. We pray, Lord, that as we've heard your, your word and as we continue to hear your word of pardon and forgiveness that you have offered us in Christ, may we by faith obtain and eternally enjoy the those gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Help us, Lord, and as we encounter friends and family who don't know you, to help them to uh, also see the great need they have to recognize that you are loving and beneficent towards them because of what Jesus has done. This we pray through his name. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at icloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.